Sunday at 4 p.m., your favorite hockey team will reconvene in Cranberry for its first practice post-break. And ideally, they'll do so with a different mindset all around. I know, I know. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates you might have heard. And I hope you check those out as well. I try to mix up that intro every once in a while, just make it a little bit different. The problem is I can cite that intro in my sleep, and I probably do, which would be really obnoxious, incidentally. (laughs) I'll keep going here regardless. This is normally the point where you would just like stop and start over again. And maybe that's what the Penguins should have done. Maybe the Penguins, if they had the option to hit pause, then rewind and start all over again, they could have done something markedly different with that power play. They could have done something markedly different in terms of Mike Sullivan's message presentation to the roster and have convinced these guys that the one and only way they're going to pull anything off of worth from this season, let alone contending, was to have defended from the outset. And I say the outset, I'm talking about day one of training camp. That's what should have been ingrained. It wasn't. I believe that's a mistake principally on Sullivan for presuming that this roster was just going to somehow continue doing things that had succeeded in the past with the same methods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't happen. Still really isn't happening. Every once in a while, they get themselves a nice little W. They'll beat some better team. They'll lose to some worse team. They'll still think of themselves because of either the logo on the front or even the individual name on the back as one of the NHL's class operations. They aren't. They aren't. They're all going to get honored and everything else. Over the remainder of their careers and then after their careers are done. But right now, stepping onto the ice, that doesn't even get you anything against the Coyotes. You still have to, you know, skate, shoot, score, and all that other stuff. And that's the message that I would put forth to these guys Sunday at 4 p.m. I would tell them, listen, we've learned some lessons. We've learned them the hard way. But we've also learned some positive lessons. We've learned how good we can be, how dominant we can be at times, whenever we put our mind to it, and when we put our mind specifically to defending and to playing hard. But the catch is, hockey coaches all say that, and they say that All the time. And it's the easiest concept in the world for a hockey player, any level, to tune out. Oh, yeah, coach wants us to play hard. Okay, boys, let's go get them. Let's play hard for the coach. You have to make that impression on them, I think, and almost uh, is insulting too strong. Maybe. 
But maybe it isn't. Maybe let them know, hey, here's the fact. You guys can skate in short bursts. You can make your rankings and uh, the NHL now keeps advanced metrics on skating speed, but it's timed in terms of bursts. And it really, you know, that's going to be like the Ryan Paling Award year after year after year. Because he's got incredible bursts and he will go in a straight line to the end of the rink. And that's going to be something that shows up on their little digital speedometer and it's going to impress everybody. But it doesn't mean that you can do it over 20, 24 minutes of ice time in the course of a game. It doesn't mean that as an older player that you're going to have some resuscitated investment in the game at hand or the opponent at hand because you've beaten so many lesser individuals or opponents over the course of your career. There has to be something that triggers with these guys. If it's me, and it won't be, I'm not going to be an NHL coach someday. I say, look around, look at these people you're surrounded by, whether you're Sidney Crosby or you're Vinny Henestrosa, and you're looking around at the rest of this room, ask yourself, when again, not in your career, in your life, will you be surrounded by players slash people of this caliber? When will that happen for you again? Do you think it'll happen next season if you're traded off to some other team that's you know somewhere in the middle of the pack and doesn't really commit itself to winning anyway? Will that happen if you're retired? Will that happen if you just hang around here and get older and you're not as effective and you can't contribute as much to the process? If you see an opportunity when you look around right now at these other faces, then now is the time to defend. Now is the time to take care of your own end. We'll we'll worry about the power play as a as a separate project it's over here off to the side it has to be fixed there's no question about it it has to my goodness it's at 13.1% worst in franchise history we'll get there and we're going to eventually convert on a lot more of all these expected goal situations uh, all these high grade chances that we create those are going to go in the same way Ricard Raquel hadn't scored in his first 20 games, and then he comes back from injury, and all of a sudden everything's going in the net. That's going to happen for us. But nothing is going to take off until we decide, everybody here, that there's exactly one way to play. And that's going to start this week with the two games against a Winnipeg team that really probably ought to be the model for the Penguins. And I'll be getting into more of that next week. And also a Minnesota team that doesn't give up much either. That's that's the time to do it. That's the place to do it. Let's really rock it off of this first week that's coming up and show everybody who we are and who we're going to be. And then, of course, you tell them to start skating in circles for no reason. When we come back, J1Q. J1Q comes from Ryan. Really good one, too. Says, my question is, DK, what is so different about this team 
that these accomplished NHL players come here and underperform. I was hard on Jason Zucker because of his injury history, but there were a lot of games last season where he almost single-handedly willed this team to victory. Other than the captain, I don't see anyone stepping up like that this season, and that's a problem. Ryan, the list of players who have stepped up is probably about as short as the list of players who've exceeded reasonable expectations. I believe that it's both safe and respectful to say that Sid has exceeded expectations only because he's 36 years old and only because he's done it in a way that we really haven't seen before where he focuses a lot more on the goal scoring than the goal creating. So I don't say he exceeded expectations as if we thought he was going to stink. He's 36. He's doing stuff that's borderline historic in terms of his production at his age. Marcus Pedersen has exceeded expectations. Alex Nedeljkovic has exceeded expectations. Chris Letang, here's another one. Being respectful, not that you ever think Latang's going to run out of fumes. I think he's going to be skating like this when he's 55, let alone 35. But I did not envision Latang becoming some uh, superior, elite penalty killer and focusing as much as he has on defending while still putting up some decent points, not to mention being a not a good soldier, a great soldier in terms of accepting a move from the first power play to the second power play. Uh, he's just been outstanding. What am I up to? Four? Who else we got? Jake scored a bunch of goals. That's what Jake does. Jake scores goals. I don't know if he's exceeded expectations. He certainly hasn't disappointed anybody. So I'm at five. Run low here, people. Who else you got? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Lars Eller. There's one. Lars. We got to get Lars in there. Again, he hasn't exceeded expectations, but he's having a better season than he had last year where he ended up with Colorado and really didn't seem like a great fit for the Avalanche, if it's possible to even envision Eller not being a great fit somewhere. And now for sure I'm done. Brian Russ got off to a nice start but hasn't done much since he was hurt and came back. Raquel I've already referenced. There's not another defenseman I would even come close to mentioning. Nobody else from the bottom six. So, yeah, six dudes. Six. That's that's your analysis there, Ryan. That's it. And it's not enough. And when you bring in, I don't mean to keep picking on the bottom six wingers because I know it feels like I'm taking the lowest hanging fruit. But when you bring in a Noel Achari and a Matt Nieto and these types of guys and you say, we're going to scrap it out in training camp and we're going to have a defensive oriented bottom six that's going to make the Penguins really hard to play against. And that never materializes. That's not on Sullivan. That's on Kyle Dubas. That's on Dubas for misreading. Heck, Achari was his own guy. He just had him in Toronto. And he misread Achari. I think Achari's okay. He, 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 he'll give up his body to block a shot and so forth. But I don't see any sort of consistent impact from him. He had one game that really jumped out at me over the first half of the schedule. 
not just because he scored. He was actually very good in that game. I just think you're looking at a situation now where there's too many guys who have either underperformed or just been eh, right here like a flat EKG, and that's not good enough. That's not good enough, Ryan. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We will do another one of these on Monday.